0: What is up everyone? Welcome to the Good Theology Podcast. My name is Josh, and I am joined today by our wonderful, amazing hosts, Jake Sweetman and David Campbell. Before anything else, how are you guys?
1: I'm doing great. It almost sounded like you Ron Burgundy that what was that like like a question mark at the end of David David Campbell? David Campbell. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Just making sure he's on. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm good. David, how are
2: you? Uh pretty good, thank you. We're heading to Miami fairly soon, so uh, I'll be even happier when I'm there because I love it there.
1: And then even more happy when you're here with us in Los Angeles in oh, yeah weeks. Is, Come on,
2: what can I say? I mean, it is <laughs> it is the next best thing to paradise. Yeah.
1: It is paradise. Just a few more weeks. Oh my gosh! Just, Just, here we go. Yeah, I mean, by the time this podcast is probably out, probably be here around yeah. two. Yeah, cool. I guess we cannot wait. Yeah, Holy Spirit Conference going to be amazing i want to plug the tickets but i don't know if it'll be done by the time this podcast is up i'm sure there'll be room hs-conference.com there you go 60 bucks grab your ticket three days enjoying the lord powerful ministry it's going to be amazing awesome joined by david campbell and his wife elaine and jack Jack dear it's gonna be great
0: all right well for today's podcast uh we're gonna talk about somewhat of a sensitive topic to some people the this the heart of this podcast is really coming from maybe the past two or three years has been really trying financially economically for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and finances are kind of like a topic that seems to be taboo for some churches and so if the church is meant to show the world how to live God's way the church cannot be silent or even vague about Mm -hmm. finances and so today what we're going to do is we're going to shed light on what it is the bible actually says about finances and specifically the topic of tithing where there's a lot of misconception and and like i said it's kind of taboo and and not you know some churches don't they get nervous to talk to talk about about it it because it's like oh give us your money but then like all all that craziness so that is what we're going to talk about today but we'll start by getting grounded in what the scripture says so i want to ask both of you to uh, share with the audience what the biblical concept of tithing is. And maybe I'll divide it in between the both of you. And Pastor Jake, you could talk about the b- biblical concept. And um, David, you could shed some light on maybe the historical con- context mm-hmm. of tithing when mm-hmm. it was first introduced and um, when that concept came up in the Bible.
1: Yeah, I, I look at uh, tithes and offerings and um, being rich towards God very simply in the sense— that uh it takes economic resources to uh move the mission of god forward in the earth um and to join ourselves to god and and build what he's building and if that is my highest privilege if that is my greatest call to partner with god in that then it it makes perfect sense that i would do so uh financially um and so you, you can't stay ethereal about that. You have to kind of get concrete and yes. go, okay, what does that look like? Um, and I'm sure Dave David can help us uh, tease out the, um, the biblical uh, theology around that um, better than I can. I feel like I have a pretty strong grasp on it, but he always comes in with stuff that I haven't thought of. Yeah. And so you've got to get concrete with it, and I don't think that Christians should shy away from... Talking, talking about, about it. it. And churches shouldn't shy away from talking about it. And I actually think God, to me, it seems that God's promise to those who uh, are generous towards his mission and are obedient towards trusting him with the tithe. His promise seems so great Yeah, that I don't know why churches would want to shy away from it. Right. Because there is blessing in that. and There is provision in that. And my own personal experience has been that, that blessing. And, um, I don't want people to not experience that. Right. And so I think you have to kind of be bold in talking about it and leading people into it. It can be challenging, no doubt, because finances are a very touchy subject for people for all different kinds of reasons, whether they're a family of origin, you know, taught them to think about money a certain kind of way, right. or they've had a bad experience uh, at a church or any other reason in between. But that's not a reason to not talk about it. And so that's like really 30,000 foot view, broad right. brush. Um, it, it just makes If Jesus is building his church. Yes then why would I not partner with him in them? Right. In in everything that I
0: have. We'll go back to that concept of partnership a little bit later. But David, could you bring us uh, you know the scriptural understanding for tithing, where it really comes from, is is giving a tenth a suggestion or a command, stuff like that kind of comes to mind when talking about tithes and offerings.
2: Yeah, well, I mean there's a whole bunch of stuff that could be said about this, but uh, the one of the most important Uh, things I think to say is that Jesus talked a lot about money and there are more verses uh, in the New Testament and in the Bible as a whole about money by far than there are about just about any other topic uh, including faith, prayer, heaven and hell. The use of money our use of money is the most reliable external indicator of where my heart is at. And, uh, mm, right. That's, I got that idea from Jesus because he said, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so, uh, if we're reluctant to talk about money, then we're not following the man who talked a great deal about money and possessions that wasn't afraid to do that. As a matter of fact, because. Uh, the potential for disaster is so great uh, in terms of mis- misuse of money. That's why we need to talk about it. Uh, Jesus <laughs> talked about, you know, if your light is darkness, then your your life is completely dark. And he was talking about money in context. And so, uh, I before you know, before even approaching the issue of tithing. It's just really mm-hmm. critical to say that because money—and money is not—it's neutral. It's not positive or negative. It, it's not—people say, oh, money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money, Paul says, is the root of all evil to Timothy. Um, so it's what we do with money, but that's why it's so important to talk about it, because it's such an enormous part of everybody's life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing that I'd want to say about it. I, that's why— um, it should be addressed and you know, it, 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 I were talking with some folk the other day that uh, financial stress is the number one cause of divorce and uh, right. we have to talk about these things because money yep. plays such an enormous part in everybody's life. So it, instead of apologizing or pussy footing around the topic, let's h- hit it head on yep. because people are gonna have, a view of money. And uh, either they're going to have a biblical view if they're Christians, you know, at least if they're Christians, they should have a biblical view. Either mm-hmm. they're going to have a biblical view or they're going to get their view of money from the world around us, and that's going to lead to disaster. So I think it's incredibly important in church, you know, and it's not just in, um, you know, it's not just in what we're talking about tithing. It's the whole area of stewardship because our life doesn't belong to us. In fact, none of our possessions belong belongs to us they belong to the lord it's not it's not ours it's his we're only stewarding what's been loaned to us because the source of all wealth is god so having said all of that in the old testament god lays down this principle of the tithe the single most important misconception and it comes up again and again and again with people is that the tithe belonged to the covenant with moses the covenant with Moses is now finished and now we're Mm -hmm. into new territory and it doesn't apply anymore. Well, I'll address that in a second. But the first thing I want to say Mm -hmm. is the book of Hebrews says when it compares the two covenants, how much more in the new covenant? So we're going to throw tithing out. Then the 10% becomes the base level.
1: Yes. The base level. Jesus Jesus himself makes that same point in the Sermon on the Mount. You say that this is sin. I say, and he always he always goes beyond the standard,
2: right? And uh, so that's the first thing that has to be said. So even if you don't believe, if you even if you do not believe that tithing is relevant in the new covenant, then you're obligated under the new covenant to more than tithe. But when you hear people talking right. about that, it's never, 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 never. Because they
1: want to give more. (laughs) (laughs) It's never Never
2: that. They want more. It's because they're (laughs) looking for an excuse to give less. So let's let's address this and drive a truck through this poor theology because the tithe never originated in the covenant of Moses. Hello, somebody. It didn't. It originated in an encounter in the book of Genesis between Melchizedek and Abraham. Now, without going into all the details of it, Melchizedek is a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ. And you read the description of him in Hebrews. Uh, he appears again in the Psalms, and it's undeniable. He's without uh, beginning of life or end of days. He lives forever and so on. So, uh, king now, of righteousness, king of peace. Right, exactly. And so he is a supernatural figure. And sometimes in the Old Testament, angelic figures appear— But sometimes in the Old Testament, they're more than angels. So when you go back to Abraham, who met several angelic figures on their way to destroy Mm -hmm. Sodom, you discover that uh, one of them is addressed as Yahweh. Now, it can't be God the Father because God the Father doesn't appear in corporeal form. It must be Mm -hmm. uh, the Son. And you say, well, how can Jesus appear on earth before he was born? Well Jesus existed quite a while before, you know, he existed actually yeah. all eternity, it to the point where he said, well before Abraham was I am. That's ex- right. I, mm. in it, I think he might have been reminiscing about the day he met Abraham uh, on the road mm. to
1: Spain. And
2: wow. and so um so anyhow, uh Melchizedek is is Jesus and Jesus meets Abraham who's Abraham Abraham is not the father of the law. Paul makes it clear. Romans chapter four and through Galatians, Abraham is the father of faith. So the tithe was instituted in a transaction between Jesus Christ and the father of faith. And it was continued in the Mosaic law, but that wasn't the beginning of it. And so-
1: That was like the the codifying of a principle that God had already laid down. It was already there.
2: It was a the application of the principle, right? And of course, Jacob tithe again. Like that, it appears right. twice in Genesis. Not just Abraham, but Jacob. Of all you give yep. me, I will give you a tenth. And there's the principle: God owns everything. God owns a hundred percent. It is not that yep. we own ninety percent. God owns a hundred percent. And I've often observed in my own life and in the life of other people that a kind of a strange mathematics occurs. In the kingdom of God, where mm-hmm. 100 minus 10 equals more than 100 and right. 100 minus zero equals less than 100. And, right. you know, I have a good friend of mine, John Parker, is one of the top mathematicians in England. If you have trouble with that, he didn't have trouble with it. And he, I'll just refer you to Professor Parker at Durham University and he'll explain what right. principle to you. Uh, that's how the economy of God works, that if you honor God and give the first part, you all wind up with all your needs being met, overflowing, pressed together, pressed down, and so on. And so, tithing, as the last thing I said, then I better shut up for a bit, um, that the purpose of tithing, number one, is to bless and honor God, uh, to acknowledge that everything we have is a gift from Him. The second person that gets blessed in the tithe is you because you know, Malachi talks about you're in trouble because you've withheld the tithe. So mm-hmm. the first person that gets blessed is God, the second is you, and the preacher is down the line. So the purpose of tithing mm-hmm. isn't to bless and enrich the preacher. That's not the right. point. The purpose is to bless God and you. And then right. above and beyond that, it simply provides for uh the, the magical the the administration of church ministry. Yep. Right.
1: Let's talk about that really quick, because I think this is sometimes a question that comes up for people is, OK, I can get on board with uh, returning a tenth of my income to God or giving an offering. Um, but what what designates where Yes, I return it? Does it have to be to my church or can I Probably. can I just kind of give here and there and everywhere yeah. and to this person and that person? So David, help us think about that because I have my own views on it. And personally, my views are that uh, Jesus has joined himself to his church. He's united himself to his bride, to his body. And the church is the only thing that Jesus ever said he was building. And so if we're really returning to the Lord, then it makes sense that we give through the church to Jesus to advance his mission, which is the gospel and his mechanism for advancing the gospel is, is the church. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I'm sure you've come across that in several decades of, of um, teaching the Bible and, and pastoring. So share some thoughts there. Well, again, I think that the attitude, and I
2: have come across it. The attitude is, uh, I'm controlling my giving. Right. And people like that. Well, I'll give a little bit here, a little give a little bit there, uh, and you know that they're not tithing. That right. uh-huh. they, they don't want to be accountable, so they'll give money to some yeah. missionary. In outer Sodovia or some visiting a person that comes through town, or something like that, nobody's holding them accountable. Um, the fact is that the kingdom of God manifests itself in the local church. The New Testament knows nothing other than the local church. They're, 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 the New Testament doesn't have mission boards. It doesn't have overseas, you know, right. and, or ministries or parachurch ministries or anything like that. Right. It does not have denominations. It has only one thing, the local church. And right, you know, that could lead us into a, a whole different area of discussion about, well, how do we account for all these other realities? But for the purposes of our discussion today, you're absolutely right, Jake. The New Testament really? all recognizes the local church. There is nowhere else to give. That's where you give to. And if we've complicated it by having parachurch ministries of whatever nature and so on, and i'm not being critical um but it but let's 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 say the tithe belongs to the local church and the the uh new testament makes a place for something cause offerings uh which includes paul taking money from collected from local churches to the church in jerusalem Notice it's all local churches still but the money is not for the that money is that that is in yeah. offerings above and beyond the tithe is not for the upkeep of the church in Ephesus or Corinth or Rome it's for the church in Jerusalem which had a practical need right some other time the right. need might be reversed it may be somebody else so uh um you know the, the the bible has these three categories tithes offerings and gifts for the poor alms and uh and and many churches I have almsgiving. giving. They'll have a fund set right. aside for a benevolence fund. House burns down, or somebody's out of work, or something like that. And so uh, that that's that's we, you know it 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 we we can simplify. It doesn't have to get complicated. The time the, number one, God owns the ten percent. God owns all of it, but He graciously allows us to keep ninety percent. But He the sure. tenth belongs to Him. We give it to Him. And we give it through the local church in the new covenant Mm -hmm.
1: yeah
0: right a a thought that comes to mind is that like when i was wrestling in my earlier years as a christian with the concept of the tithe is like yes i'm good with giving it to god Mm -hmm. but i don't want to give it to people right but now looking back and realizing the church is not just figuratively but is literally the body of christ Mm -hmm. and so as you give to the church you are literally giving to who jesus describes as his body here on earth and so i think that helps um make the concept a lot more tangible yeah and you can even go a
1: layer deeper than that like in in both the old covenant and the new covenant there's the the there's the theme or the reality of supporting the ministry itself yeah so part of the the application for the giving of tithes and offerings in the old covenant was for feeding the priests it was for making sure that the tabernacle and the temple uh had what it needed to operate and, and perform its ministerial function. The same rolls over into the new covenant. And Paul talks about this. I can't remember if it's first or second Timothy um, where he talks about the, the ox being able to eat the grain. And uh, he directly applies that to the, um, the the financial supply of, right. of ministers in the church. So um, yes, we're giving to the Lord, but again, and this is what we have to wrap our minds around. Jesus has so joined himself to his church yeah. That to the supply, the needs of the church of the ministry is itself to be, it, it is, it is itself to be giving to the Lord. Right. Cause he's, that's how you, it's like a, it's like a husband and a wife. Like you do something for me, you do something for my wife. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, you treat this part of my body kindly this other part of my body thanks you right <laughs> you know what I mean like that's how joined that's how unified I am yeah as my own entity and in my marriage and and Jesus looks at his church in the exact same way same way yeah right yeah what's that verse that I'm thinking of david
2: yeah and and is where Paul talks about elders who are worthy of teaching and preaching are worth double honor and in first Corinthians 9 he addresses this whole subject as well that there's no uh there there's no problem with supporting people paul bent over backwards in certain missionary environments where he was going into not to take support from the people that he was preaching to the reason for that was that in the greek speaking world there was uh these wandering preachers everywhere called sophists and uh they dispensed their wisdom and they took a fee and they gave you know They had a very bad reputation, I guess. So let's put it that way. So, Paul wants to, when he's going into a new place, the first thing he's going to do is, uh, is not going to be to ask for money because that could give the gospel a bad name. So, he takes support from the right. p- other churches so he can go into those right. new places. So, that's why Paul does some tent making as well, and that's why he talks about not receiving support on occasion but he lays out the principle that those who preach the gospel should live by the gospel. Yeah. In First. Timothy- Let me
1: read that. It's First uh, Corinthians 9, 13 and 14. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? Now, this is really interesting because this flies in the face of the theology of uh, tithes and offerings are old covenant. Because mm-hmm. Paul is making a direct appeal here to the, the systems and structure of the old covenant. And he does that again in Philippians that I want to talk about in a moment but they get those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar in the same way in the same way verse 14 the lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel so again there's that immediate bridge from old covenant and unlike what a lot of christians do today where they go well that's old covenant doesn't apply Paul doesn't do that he he actually goes well the, the true and better fulfillment of that is uh, our posture towards the church. He does the same thing in Philippians 4. And um, I just noticed this this last week and I was so floored by it. In uh, Philippians 4 and verse uh, 18, he talks about the offering, as you were just describing, David, that he got from Philippi while he was in Thessalonica. So there's an existing church that's funding the the mission of the gospel. He says, I got your offering. I'm amply supplied. Uh, from the gifts he sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So even there in Philippians, he makes a direct correlation of their giving towards his ministry to the giving that happened in the Old Testament. But again, and this is amazing, these these uh, fragrant offerings and acceptable sacrifice sacrifices that are aromas up to the heavens, those were still going on in Jerusalem at the time Paul wrote this. Like the, the temple was still... In play at this point, and and Jews who had who had rejected Jesus were still practicing these sacrifices. And Paul does not do what a lot of Christians do. He does not go, yeah, that's still happening, but that doesn't apply to us. He goes, actually, the true fulfillment of that is what you guys are practicing towards the mission, the mission of the gospel. That's stunning to me, um, and certainly is completely out of alignment with uh, the excuse that a lot of people make for themselves right. when it comes to this subject. So, yeah.
0: And I, I want to stay on that thought of partnership with God because I think this is something that other people may be wrestling with. In that, if if tithing is partnership with God and God is all powerful, why does He need what we have? Hmm. Like I, I think that that's a realistic struggle that some people may have. Apart from it, you know, being you know a
1: command mm-hmm. to follow, how do you reconcile that? Well, it's not that God needs it; it's that we need it, right? Look, look! what! Look what happens when we take what God gives us and we and we uh, use it in a way that flies in the face of His plan. Just look no further than Adam and Eve. Right. We take what God gives us, and instead of stewarding it and partnering with God and advancing His mandate and mission, we do what we want with it, and it becomes our downfall. it becomes our idol. It becomes right. our downfall. Um, so God doesn't need it. Yeah. God, this is is it Psalm fifty. The world is mine. If I was hungry, I would not tell you. <laughs> All of it belongs to me. Right. Um, but sacrifice your thank offerings. Okay. It's it's because we need it. And I, I said this to our church on Sunday. Is like, when when I call you to give, I'm doing you a solid. Mm. Because I'm calling you to handle your your money in a way. Um, the way he designed it. The way that God designed it. Mm. That ultimately, as David pointed out, it blesses you. It benefits you. Right. Um, so I don't know if you had added anything to that, David. But no, well, that's how I, I think
2: about it. I'd like to throw in a couple other points, one of which is there's a practicality. You mentioned at the beginning, the kingdom of God doesn't move forward without finance, like anything else on this earth. Right. I it, I can't figure out why people think, well, their business needs finance or their company needs finance or whatever, but the kingdom of God somehow moves ahead mysteriously and spiritually right. without any finance. That's just ridiculous. Right. Um, the setting aside of... Uh, you know, full-time uh, people to be in full-time ministry is a very practical thing. There's nothing mysterious about it. You're not born into it like the priests or the Levites were. It is mm-hmm. simply a practicality. So, for instance, my friend Dave Devinish was an international banker. For he worked for the British government. He went uh, to a number of different countries, particularly behind the Iron Curtain back in the, the days while that was still operating, and his church. Um, in a place called Bedford in England. Uh, he was an elder of that church, but um, he wasn't um, employed full-time, obviously. He was working for the government. But the church began to grow, and the church began to grow. And the other elders called him up and said, Dave, you know, we really need you to leave your job and to come and help us, because the needs of the people and the congregation cannot be serviced anymore unless you come on staff. And so he took obviously an enormous hit in pay. Uh and I've known many men that have done that. Uh they but what they did was they simply uh stopped working that you know they the finance was made available so that they could be supported. You know, it's not because they'd even necessarily gone to seminary or because they were ordained, quote unquote. It's simply that they were in leadership in the church. They were working another job. Uh, you know, whether it was banking or plumbing doesn't make any difference. Now we need you working full time for the church because of the growth and the demands we have here. So it's just a pure practicality when you install people, you know, in, in, I hate the word staff, to be honest, because it makes the church into a business, but it's almost impossible no. to avoid. But <laughs> we bring people into full time. You know, we're all in full-time ministry. Every single one of us is in full-time ministry. But we support people financially. You might, you might say, you are you know, all my life people have paid me not to work. <laughs> I mean, I could have been a lawyer and made more money like my older brother did. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, it, I've been paid not to have to do that. That's, that's all full-time ministry is. It's paying people so that they don't have to be a lawyer, right. a garbage man, a carpenter, a banker, or whatever, uh, Mm -hmm. so that their time can be utilized and made available for the local church. And the Mm -hmm. other point I like to make is, and my friends over at Theos, um, who come up with interesting information all the time, um, uh, came up with a gem this morning that the worst possible degree you could ever take at college was religion and theology because you got absolutely Mm -hmm. the lowest amount of money which is thirty six thousand dollars. I think they calculate. Uh, who calculated this? I don't know. But out of that, I would like to make the point that there nobody goes into ministry to make money. Uh, you may think of one or two high profile event televangelists that or preachers that I will mention. I don't need to mention. But ninety nine point nine percent of people who are in ministry are you could earn. More money doing whatever else, doing something else, you know, mm-hmm. doing something else, and mm-hmm. uh, frankly, I think we need to address that head on because it it ticks me off when you know people use that as an excuse not to give. Um, very few, you know, pastors that I've known in my life have that. Most of them have struggled one way or the other. Very the none of them are were ever driving fancy cars or taking foreign holidays and or had big pension plans or anything like that most people in christian leadership are sacrificing and they've chosen to make that sacrifice which is fine jesus called us to that and they're
1: Um, they're usually among the most generous in their church yep so let's not cheap
2: out use that as an excuse you know uh to cheap out on giving your giving is a transaction between you and the Lord. And if you don't honor him in that, you're not in trouble with the preacher. You're in trouble with the Lord. So right. I wouldn't advise that as a course of action.
1: Yeah. I was thinking of a verse while you were talking there. Um, and I've I've often wondered about this verse. It's in Isaiah 66, where we're now, you know, we're we're at the end of Isaiah's uh prophetic book here, and so we're we've got a an eschatological picture before us. Um, but in it, he talks about um, the salvation of the Gentiles, the nations. Um, and then he says in verse 21, he says, I will select some of them also to be priests and Levites, says the Lord. Cause that you spoke into something that I've thought about a bit is like, we are all a kingdom of priests and there's, uh there's a vocational aspect to um, some people's ministry, so that they can give their lives fully to that. And I've often wondered about this verse, kind of in connection with that that topic. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but any insights there on what Isaiah's is on about when he's talking about some of those uh, Gentiles being selected as as priests and Levites?
2: Well, I think he's he's seeing the new covenant clearly. Um, right. I think basically. Uh, he's he's prophesying that the same thing that is expressed in Revelation chapters 1 and again chapter 5, that the promise of, uh, you know, y- you will be a kingdom of priests, uh, the promise that was given to uh, Israel in Exodus chapter 19 is actually fulfilled in the church. We are the, the royal priesthood, as Peter puts right. it on Peter chapter 2. I think Isaiah's, um, you know, that that's where he's aiming at, that that we're the priesthood corporately. We're all priests. So we're not, we don't even have a priest that is up on an altar that we're paying or something. We're all in the priesthood. We're all in the ministry. We're all worshipers of God and servants of God. The question is, you know, where the church begins to grow and prosper and their practical needs, you know, and when Josh has his next crisis, you know, um, he's got to call somebody up to come and help him. And that most likely is going to be Jake because Jake has his time free to do that because there are other guys in the church that are out working at this job, that job, or in the next job and, and don't have the time to do it. That's just the practicality. Right. Good, and good, that's how the good, church family works. That's great. Yeah. And?
0: So our our t- our, t- our giving allows the people of God to do what they have to do, Yeah, they're going to do otherwise if they... Uh, or working some other job. Uh, I, I was I was pondering on the thought of of tithing being for us, you know. So it's it's for us, it's for God, and then down the line, it's for ministry for the ministry. Mm-hmm. And the thought that tithing is something that is rewarding uh, is there something to be said about tithing and giving with the intent to get? Like, is that a misalignment to what God has planned, or mm-hmm. you know, at some point, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is it a matter of I'll give now, even if my heart's like just really after what I can get from God and not really after obedience, I and one day it'll follow.
1: Definitely your posture matters, but I think there's two ditches on that road. Okay. I think one ditch is the, uh, the out and out, give to get ditch, where I'm only engaging in this as a transaction, and if I do this, I'm I'm putting God in debt to me, and now God owes me. Right. There's I'm practicing some you know, principle or law of God's, if God's creation where now he's like required to do something for me. I think that's a, that's a really heavy ditch. Um, and certainly in that same vein, you got prosperity gospel, uh, as well. And, and name it and claim it and all that kind of stuff. Like that's a, that's a scary ditch. The other ditch though, is a more subtle religious ditch. (laughs) And that ditch is, uh, is supposed piety in our giving. Okay. Excuse me. And we give, I just totally coughed in your direction. And we give, uh, we give in such a way where we almost, we almost kind of pretend that we, we're we're above being blessed by God. Like we don't need God to bless us. And we, you know, it's kind of like this, this picture of, of holiness that I think is a more subtle ditch, but it's a ditch nonetheless. I think the the biblical picture is we give because it's right for us to do so. Right. Because as David said, God owns all of it. And he has specified that the first tenth w- would be returned to him. And um, and in that process, we, we honor him. But also in that process, I mean, I see it plain as day in, in 2 Corinthians 9, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Right. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. Now, that's, that's not saying, you know, give your tithe and, and God will give you X, Y, or Z. But it is saying that God will provide for you so that you can continue to abound in every good work. So I think there's a healthy level of, God, I'm going to engage with money the way that you've instructed me to, and your promise to me is that you're going to use me as a conduit for blessing. Right. Um, and so there is going to be a, a receiving aspect of that, and I think it's good and healthy to have that mentality because that's what God has laid down. I think yeah. in both the old covenant and and the new covenant. So I see ditches on both sides. Um, certainly one is more obvious than the other, right? Uh, but I think God invites us into a certain healthy level of expectation yeah. of of how He responds to us when we obey Him.
0: Yeah. Like I, I was, I'm thinking about Malachi three, right? Mm-hmm. You know, test me on this. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that not become a sort of entitlement of like God I gave? Then, you know, oh, so with test you. Why not opening the you know the floodgates of heaven?
1: Yeah, well, God knows your heart, right? So he, he knows your motivation for all the things that you do. Um, and there's a there's a difference between giving to obey God and giving to uh, put God in debt to you and for Him to owe you one. Yeah. Those are two very different things. Um, and God does things on his timing, right? You know what I mean? He's not a slot machine. Mm -hmm. So I I can't just put in my, my coin and pull the lever and expect to get some result. And oftentimes, uh, even, even when I've trusted God in giving and I've made it a habit, it's been a habit in my life for 16 years now. Um, one of the conversations that I'll never forget my mom having with me was the conversation she had with me when she found out that I wasn't tithing. I was 18 years old. Um, and she sat me down and she talked to me, and that conversation has stuck with me. And there's probably three conversations with my mother that I can remember, and that, that is That's one of minute. them. And so I've been practicing this for 18 years, um, the entirety of Nicole and I's marriage going on 14 years this October. And so we've given with a certain posture of we're trusting God, and I know that my God shall supply every single one of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Right. That that verse is about giving that's what paul says to the philippians in response to their offering so we've we've kept that posture but i haven't gotten mad when it didn't happen the way that i thought it was gonna happen right or the way that i wanted it to happen um we've just tried to remain patient and continued on in faith and continued on in in obedience and god has always come through in ways that were actually greater than the way i wanted it to happen And, um, that has led to significant blessings in our own life from the house that we live in now is, is a huge miracle for us, um, to, I mean, I know David mentioned cars earlier, but even the cars that we get to drive are a supreme blessing that have come to us in unexpected ways. So, and then you can get into all kinds of non-material things, like Mm -hmm. just the, the, The children that we get to parent and the life that we get to live and the friends that we have as we've just gone on the journey with God. Yeah. Because we've, we've said our lives are not our own. They belong to the Lord and how God has provided for us in every single aspect. We're truly rich. Like we are rich in every single way. Yeah. um, In, well, I'm not financially rich, but I'm, but rich in the sense of uh, God is, He's so blessed us. Right. Why would I not want to trust Him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, yeah go ahead david
2: the important thing is christianity is relationship it's not a manipulation yeah. uh and you know i think the ditch that ananias and sapphire fell into was the one where they gave to get uh right they were what they wanted to get i think wasn't necessarily financial it was recognition right. recognition and, and uh but the, the the key was it wasn't given out a relationship with Jesus. They didn't understand yeah. his heart. And so giving is like prayer uh, or asking God, you know, for anything. Um, there isn't necessarily direct cause and effect where I'm going to pray today for something uh, and it happens tomorrow. Sometimes you have to fight yeah. through and battle and you, you know, you lose a few rounds before, you know, you get to where you need to be. And sometimes God takes you through twists and turns, and it turns out when you look back in it that He had more wisdom, you know, than we did. And and the and our giving is the same thing, that you know, yeah. if we if giving was if we simply gave, and every time you know there was a celestial mm-hmm. ka-ching or something, and money Perfect. came out, you know, uh, the uh, the machine slot machine, then where would the relationship be in that? Right. And it would be impossible to maintain a godly attitude yeah. toward giving. Um, so we give out of principle. We le- leave the rest of it with God. But we do believe, because right. that's what the Bible teaches, that on an overall basis, when we look back and the dust has settled, that we may have had some battles, right. it may have got tight. But we do see the difference in our lives, you know, that that comes as a result of the fact our finances are in order.
1: Yep. Right? Yeah, exactly. I love that connection to the. when you were talking it just reminded me of Jesus' invitation to ask, seek, and knock. Yes. And so it's the same thing with praying. You know, every time I utter a prayer I can't expect what I pray for to just materialize in my hands. Yeah. There's a relationship uh, foundation there and the same applies to giving. I
0: was just thinking beyond even just the material giving and receiving. Tithing has a very sacramental nature in my opinion that it's a um, like a visible, tangible manifestation of an invisible reality that we are giving of ourselves yeah. to God, or are basically saying all we are is God, mm-hmm. and that is the physical, the mm-hmm. tangible way we get to do that. And I think being able to practice that informs our heart, and that's where the the passage, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right. is because you're guiding your heart towards that direction of like, okay, no, this is
1: where my heart is. All all that I am, all that I have, is really yeah. God. I really like that. Um, if sacraments are visible signs of invisible reality, yeah. then the giving of our money is the visible sign of the invisible reality of our heart being committed. To the yeah, I had had a
0: practical question. Uh, thinking through this, we t- uh, started on the top of, like, you know, financially, this has been a very difficult time for a lot of people, especially here in our context in Los Angeles with, you know, the writer's strike and everything that's going on. You know, some people have literally lost the way that they're able to make money. Right. Um, one thought is, if you're in debt, you're struggling. All of that, should you still have? I think so. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think what what goes to God goes to God, no matter what. Um, and then a, a lot of times, I find that our financial circumstances, when they're looked at with scrutiny, I would say it this way: there are probably areas in our life that we could discipline ourselves to sacrifice in yeah. and make cuts in. Um, but a lot of times, giving is kind of like the first thing on the chopping block for people because it's the easiest. Right. It's it's harder to make the choice of I'm I'm going to stop spending here because you
0: don't feel the utility in giving.
1: Well, exactly. You know, it's like I can. It's kind of like when when a company goes through a hard time. It's like the first the first budget on the chopping block is is marketing. Right. <laughs> it's like well, we think it works, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we're not we're not totally sure, and so we're going to cut that marketing budget. And people tend to take the same approach with their giving. It's you know like I, I think. God honors this but you know let me yeah. and I would say I, I pretty well every time I've sat down with somebody to help them in their financial world there's always areas in their budget where it's like well have you considered you know this yeah. hundreds of dollars that you're spending on this thing over here yeah um, and you know I, we've all been through personal hard times um, and I always come back to if God's mission is my most central thing in life, then I'm going to do what I have to do to keep yeah. participating in the advancement of that that's mission. So that, that, those are my views. David, I'm not sure if you so see things you, differently. I think, or...
2: if, if someone loses their source of income, they don't have an income to tithe off. of. Uh, they well, may, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, so then it simply becomes a matter of the leading of the Holy spirit, I think. Um, right. But, uh, you know as you say uh human nature being what it is uh we're inclined to take any excuse we have to kind of cut our giving and right uh meanwhile
1: we we keep other things up so but that is obviously an important point we tie that off yeah. Our income.
0: So yeah there is no income but... right i guess the, the other question was if you are in some sort of debt but still have an income Like, is it like a matter of, cause I've heard some preachers say, it's like, hey, go pay off your debt first before you go offer to God or tithe to God. I'm like, I don't know where they get that.
1: Uh, It's, it's both ends. Yes. Fight like hell to get out of debt. Mm -hmm. And then, but still, yeah. Stay faithful. Yeah,
0: often uh, Often the
2: reasons (laughs) that people are, people are in debt, I'm not saying all the time, but very frequently people are in debt because they don't know how to manage their money. And if they're Christian, they probably haven't been tithing either. Uh, right. And so, you know, to institute tithing is the first step to get out of debt. And if you look yeah. at Dave Ramsey's material, uh, there are countless tens of thousands of people who have followed his principles. Um, as, as, it you know, the first thing you do is start to tithe, even though it's counterintuitive. And yeah. but look at the results that happen. Uh, they're incredible because something supernatural begins to happen, and that's that's where the exciting part is. You know that when Abraham exactly. with Melchizedek, that was a supernatural encounter, and I do actually believe that God wants supernatural things to happen in the realm of money, uh, and and when that begins to yeah. happen, it's, and and I could tell I could sit here and tell s- stories, and so, so could you guys, but God is just so faithful. And uh, yeah. and then you've got a testimony. And when you've got a testimony involving money, that's a powerful thing out there in the world because people will listen to it.
1: Exactly. Because yeah. it's the number one thing that they worry about.
0: <laughs> and I, I think even just the fact that oh, you were facing insurmountable odds mm-hmm. that you continue to tithe and be faithful with the command, that's such a great testimony to people who just doubt the it working or God coming through. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. So this has been such a great discussion on what is a taboo to some. And thank you for your insights and bringing in, you know, the scriptural understanding to all of this. Uh, I want to give you guys the floor if there is any maybe encouragements you can give to somebody who's struggling with tithing or anything you want to say just to close this off for today.
1: Yeah, I say um, go to God with it um, and spend time praying about it and ask God to, sh- to highlight to you what are the real reasons for why uh, you're resistant in this area. We've all got prior experiences with money yeah, and even if subconsciously those tend to affect the way that we view money and think about it. Um, maybe the, the experience of fear that we have around it. Yes. And so I invite the Holy Spirit into that and ask him to help you with it to identify what those reasons are um, and then to have the courage to overcome them. Right uh and it's it's kind of one of those areas it's a bit of a cheesy saying but i have found that it holds true how's it go you'll never be able to afford to to tithe until you begin to tithe
0: right i think cheesy it's cheesy but
1: good yeah it's probably some truth to that yeah. right it's like faith by nature is faith <laughs> so yeah. it's, tr- trust requires that we take a step and that step can be scary and that's why god promises to meet us in that yes. supply our needs yeah
2: david oh i think that's a great close great
0: well thank you everyone for joining us on today's podcast We hope you guys have an awesome day and awesome rest of your week until we see each other again on the next episode of the Good Theology Podcast. See ya.